2: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door
0: cinema club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah
3: and Bucky Brooks.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man?
3: Man, I'm good, DJ. Everything is good. Like, uh, just finished with top five list and going through everything. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because you look at guys, but then when you go back the second time around and look, Sometimes you identify and see things that maybe you just overlooked. Maybe you were tired. Maybe it was the end of the night or whatever. So it's really fun, um, kind of in that cluster buster type deal, trying to trying to stack and organize and figure out like who's next, who's next in, kind of like the NCAA tournament, for, <laughs> first win, last we out. So no, nah, but it's been good. Things are good.
0: Is this up now? By the way, where can we find this?
3: No, it's not up. I just I just submitted it. It'd be up sometime this week. Um, but as you know, like with your top fifty, um, my top fives, there's a lot that go into it because like you think, oh, I'm gonna rank the top fifty, but you have to look at like kind of like the top 75, 100.
0: I let me ask you the question that that I know everybody that's listening wants to know. Did you win did you weenie out and do ties, or is this a stream? Oh no, I don't do ties. top five. Yeah, okay. I don't
3: believe in ties. I don't believe in okay, ties. You good. get five, that's it.
0: I used to give Mayak a hard time about that. Mike have like three guys tied for fifth. I'm like, you can't do that.
3: Nah, I did think about adding like uh outside others? the bubble. Yeah, others outside the bubble. <laughs> but I didn't want to I didn't want to I didn't want to put that in there because it's weird because the positions at linebacker DJ are weird because now you have edge, yeah. then you have linebacker. And I'm like, you still need an inside and an outside linebacker. And some of the guys in the outside linebacker could be in the edge category. So I kind of use it as a way to put I know guys will be like, hey, he's not an outside linebacker. Yeah, but I'm trying to get the names out there so okay. people don't think, well, where's X, Y, and Z? No, I'm, i got him out there. He's an oh, outside. Linebacker. Oh, I see how you're cheating it. Now you're
0: gonna go outside receivers. <laughs> no, no, speed, I don't have that in line Just tied linebackers. In, flex tight <laughs> end. <laughs> like I, I know I see how it is now. I got you.
3: Lineback is the only one. Lineback is the only one where I have inside, outside linebackers, and then the DNs and the edge players are all together. This is weird because we talked about positionless ball. I don't.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've yeah, kind of that's,
3: that's to kind of to kind of
0: figure that thing out over over the last couple of years. I got to the point where I just made it. I just have in the positions. I just have edge, and then just linebacker. So anybody that's off the ball, I would just mm-hmm. categorize them as a linebacker. Anybody oh, okay. on the line of scrimmage was an edge guy. So even if it's a Sam that's a, that's walked over a tight end. I just kind of listed him as an as an edge
3: guy. So what's interesting about like doing it that way, because then you have the thing with like Micah Parsons plays one way. Yeah. Owusu Kormore Moore plays another yep. way. Like he's way outside. It's only about 50 pounds difference in those guys. Yeah, I know, but I, I didn't necessarily want to put those guys in the same category. So that's why I did inside outside. It just made it easier to put some of those chase and run type players.
0: By the way, before we get to what we're doing today, uh, on uh, Owusu Koromoa, interesting with him is going to be the weight at the – whenever he gets going for Notre Dame's Pro Day because I love him as a player. Like if if you told me that he played the way he played at 225, I'm in, man. Like I am all in. But I was told that like towards the end of the year, you're talking about low 200s, you know, low 200s. So So, you know who – what's he gonna wait didn't you know didn't didn't go to the senior bowl I don't think he really needed to go to the senior bowl but uh it'll be big for him we'll see we've seen years past remember like Vic Beasley remember Vic played at like 220 something all of a sudden he showed up at the comma he was like what 245 yeah yeah Uh, I imagine we'll see something along those lines if he could just get to 220 I'm good
3: I think that's the Darius Leonard thing right I think even now in Indianapolis Darius Leonard by the end of the season maybe it 213, 215. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things. And even that, though, there's a difference between 215 and 201, 202. You know yeah, not sure. really trying to have him in 202. Like, unless we're doing the position thing and we're putting him in the slot and he is that. Oh, yeah, you that, find the role for him. He's a fantastic football player. Man, he Obviously, plays. He so how, how high he will go. I know. He's so fast and violent. Like, man, he comes when he sees it, he comes and gets it. So, yeah. Oh he's you know a it's, player, man you know it's a fascinating thing it's a fascinating thing to kind of do that study and kind of look at where guys where guys are at and you know can you
0: give me I'm an, I a i am I got I have a, a new mock draft that's out we're going to get to that on thursday we'll we'll cover it on the audio pod so let that breathe a little bit online then we're gonna we'll break it down and cover it I'll give you a little teaser in, in just a moment but give me a teaser on the top fives give me one guy maybe one guy in an order that you think might be a little bit juicy what we got
3: mm, man this is crazy and I know we're gonna have this conversation later uh, I think the outside linebackers and edge rushers are interesting in terms of who goes there Um, that's good well we're gonna talk about those guys later we're talking about the edge defenders later Uh, DJ I had a really tough time with the wideouts right because the wideouts yeah. are so deep they're different just, flavors yeah just trying to figure out those guys, the Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith conversation is very interesting. And I think when you go back and you look at Jalen Waddle, I think you have a tendency to forget like how oh, good, freaked. yeah, like how good he really, really was. And then you remove him, and then Devontae Smith takes over. And so you're like, wow, man, like both of these guys are really good. But it was clear early in the year that I think Sark viewed him as the number one option. It may have been 1A and 1B, but I yeah. felt like it was very catered to Jalen Water. And I don't think any of those guys can do what he does with the ball in his hands. He's terrific with the ball in his hands. All
0: right, so that's a good teaser. That's a good teaser. So is he number two then? He is number two. Okay, that, Okay. that's good. That's good because I want to give my teaser on the mock draft. And I'll pull it. I got my little yellow pad here, by the way. Which I don't know how you, you are, Buck, but mock drafts, I still – uh you still got to put it on the on I, the legal pad? The legal pad, yeah. I'm a legal pad guy. And then, and then you transfer it over to the computer. Uh, but so I had uh, Waddle as the second receiver to go in the mock draft. I did too. It was an interesting team fit because, again, we have free agency. We'll see what these teams can do in free agency. I know the Chargers must address the offensive line. Elephant in the room, obviously, right? They've got to get better up front. But let's assume for a second they can do that in free agency, Mm. bring in a couple guys, and Jalen Waddell were to be there when the Chargers were on the board, and you've got Keenan Allen, who's the route runner. You've got Mm. Mike Williams, who's the physical red zone guy. They don't have that. That element, that speed element that Waddle brings, man, Justin Herbert would have a lot of fun with him.
3: Well, that, I mean, that's that's what's missing. And DJ, I think from a philosophical standpoint, it will be interesting because we've seen this happen a couple of different places. Year one is figuring out how your quarterback plays. Year two is okay. What can we put around him to help him become an even better player? Well, we can talk about the offensive line, and it certainly is important based on how we saw it play out in the Super Bowl. But man, we've we we watched. The Buffalo Bills put wide receivers around Josh Allen and when they upgraded the talent around him, his game shot through the roof. And so if you're sitting there looking at Justin Herbert and, you know, Justin Herbert is on this rookie deal and the clock is ticking. You want to get him up to speed so he can kind of reach that ceiling quickly so we can make that run while he still is on a deal that allows us to get the other stuff around him on defense or wherever else we need to allocate the funds.
0: No, I'm with you. Um all right, we've got a couple things we've got to hit here today. We've got the JJ Watt news. We can hit on the Lawrence Pro Day. Seems like old news, but it really wasn't that long ago. We covered that one. Um, we'll hit on those, and then we might have a guest. Don't, we're not gonna we're not gonna lock that in yet because mm-hmm. we are have scheduling stuff uh, right now. But uh, could be a big guest coming. So be surprised if we get a good guest at the end of the show. There you go. It's a little uh, little surprise party we'll have there at the end <laughs> of the episode. Uh, but JJ Watt release. Your thoughts.
3: Um, look, man, J.J. Watt, three-time defensive player a year, a guy who at one point, I mean, I thought was the best football player in the game. Uh, at his best, the way he dominated from uh, his five-technique position was unique, and the way that he played that position was also unique because for a guy who had the length and the size and those things, hey, he took chances. He'd jump around blocks. He'd shoot g- gaps. He, he would do things that were l- really unconventional. But, I mean, I think going all the way back to watching him at Wisconsin, I don't know if I ever could have envisioned him becoming the player that he became in the National Football League. I think now, though, how much juice does he have left to contribute to a team? And from a schematic standpoint, is he a guy that is limited in terms of, is he a 3-4 guy? Can he play a base in and a 4-3 scheme? I've seen some of the teams that have been thrown out there, but then I wonder, like, man, where, where does he line up? Where does he line up in that defense? And so the names that you keep hearing are the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's been some connection to the Cleveland Browns. You and I have talked about maybe the Buffalo Bills I in like terms Buffalo of like the, best. the thing. But, DJ, where do you play him at? Like how, like where where is his best fit in terms of where he lines up down in, down out?
0: Well, I think he still has some versatility there. So to me, he's a big end on first down. Um, and then when you want to rush him, I, I just kick him in, let him rush. You know, I, I don't know how much the front even really matters as much anymore. You know, like yeah. – because everybody gets in a four man front when, when at some point yeah. yeah so to me i still think when you look at them ed oliver um hasn't really kind of lived up to what you hoped he would be he's an okay player he's a good player but he's not where he was picked he hasn't been that impactful um but to me I, i'm just going back and i'm thinking about i always go back to kind of my past rush my past rush uh uh, pleasure was when the Niners were so good when they had Alden Smith and Justin Smith playing next to each other. Oh yeah! And I think of Jerry Hughes outside, and I think of sub, and I think of J.J. Watt getting a chance to line up inside of him. Let those guys run games, which J.J. Watt's really good at, and let him work over edges on guards. To me, I think that's where he has the most impact.
3: Yeah, look, I, I think that is a tremendous value, and I think Green Bay it could be a similar situation when you put him beside Darius Smith. Um, I know Preston Smith is on the other side, but having those two man games, running those T.E. stunts, being able to be very creative and then incorporating sometimes some three man games where you use yeah. the nose and the two ends and you're looping and doing all kinds of, of things like that. I think that could be a situation that is very interesting. I think Buffalo is a, a good fit because the thing that separates Buffalo from, I would say, the, the, the very, very top teams. I mean, how can you knock them? They went to the championship game, but pass rush. Yeah. Um, and looking at because they're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. And I know like the Chiefs have a stench on them because of the way they were whooped in the Super Bowl. But you still have to get past them. And the game plan that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers use, I would say they stole it from the Buffalo Bills. The yeah. difference is they have better. The Tampa, dudes. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers dudes up front. They were able to get after it with a four man rush. Buffalo was never able to get after Patrick Mahomes and harass him with a four man front. So they have to really commit the resources to being able to get that.
0: Yeah. I'm looking up a number here. Hold on one second. Um, Let's go. All right. This is, this is another reason why I like Buffalo. Okay. We talk about the, the two teams that we would say right now, would we say green Bay probably, you know, put them at number one just because it's going Mm -hmm. home. It makes the most sense connected to him, right? Green Bay and Buffalo. um, The two teams, you know who was number one and number two in the NFL in scoring, i.e. you get to play with a lead, i.e. you get to rush the quarterback. Number one, Green Bay Packers, 31.8 points a game. Number two, the Buffalo Bills, 31.3 points a game. I go someplace where I can win. I go someplace with a dynamic offense. We can play with the lead and I can hunt. That to me is why I
3: think those two teams make the most sense. They do make a lot of sense. And I would say from a, a personal standpoint, having spent time in Green Bay, uh, I don't know how long J.J. Watt wants to play but J.J. Watt could probably play forever in Greenback. He probably could finish his career for another. He probably could get another five years out of the Packers if he decided to go there just based on his re- relationship, his connection. Uh, he's obviously one of the best badges to ever come through there, and he still has enough game where they can find a way to spell him and use him as a situational player. That might be the best fit, but I love Buffalo from a cultural standpoint, how he would add something to what I think is already a locker room full of hardworking dudes.
0: Nabil is just blowing up our chat
3: right Man. now. So He's so excited right now. I'm going to move it off to the side. I'm going to move it off to the side because I, I can't know. see. I kept, I kept seeing what these things like. Bing. What keeps popping up in this is 8 million things on the Packers.
0: Yeah, all in on the Packers. I will add one more team, by the way. The Tennessee Titans were fourth in the league. They averaged 30.7 points a game this year. Quiet, they
3: right? Have no, they have no
0: pass rush. And there's the revenge factor, right? If you go to the Titans, he has a relationship with Vrabel. Obviously, haven't played under him. Um, And you get to play the Texans twice a year, which we've seen with some of these
3: veterans. There's a little bit of that. Right. You get that's a little bonus. There's there's definitely a little get back. I do wonder this. I mean, just from a J.J. Watt, the brand standpoint, man, I don't know if the brand could get bigger if he goes to to Green Bay, because you talk about a national a national brand. You're going to be on TV. You're playing with Aaron Rodgers. You can be on two Monday night games. A Sunday night, a Thursday night game. You talk about
0: that to the me stage. is why, if, if the, the question's two part, right? Where do I think is the best fit for JJ Watt? I think Buffalo is the best fit. Yes. If I was going to be a betting man, where does he go? Green yeah. Bay Packers for yeah. some of the reasons you just mentioned, because he's got the chance to win, but also he's going to have a stage now.
3: <laughs> the big stage, okay. the brand coming out. Yeah. I, I think that's an interesting home. thing. Yeah. Going back home. You know, DJ, I do wonder because in the team building process, he's 32 years old. Yeah. Like normally, I mean, it is rare that you find impact players that can come over on those things in their thirties and make a thing. I do wonder how much he has left in terms of pushing a team over the top. I know the experience, the wisdom and all those things are great, but in terms of the game that he still has left, how much juice does he have left in terms of being able to take it over or is he kind of like that designated hitter where you're hoping, hey, let's have some splash plays during the regular season, but when we get into the postseason tournament, can he dominate and take over? We saw how Indominus Sue took over and really made an impact for them moments. in the just playoffs. Moments, right? Give me moments. Just, just moments. I don't need you to dominate the game, but just a handful of moments where hey, I need to rev it up or whatever. I do wonder how much of that he has left.
0: I'm looking. I'm actually – it's great, great project. I'm kind of looking through the top sack guys from last year. So here's here's the, here's one. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul is thirty-two years old, coming off a year where he had nine and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. So that same defensive front with Indomik and Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul—not what he was by any stretch—but in that three-four game stretch, who played better than him in the postseason? They couldn't block him, you know. Oh man, I'm so so bl- Maybe yes. that's the one.
3: There. I, I, got, I I'm gonna put a pin in this conversation, but I want you to do this. I was looking at Greg Rousseau, yeah, the other day, yep. and I wrote in my notes Jason Pierre-Paul. And I would love to have that conversation. Cause then I went back and I found some old Jason Pierre Paul college footage from South Florida. And I'm just saying because there are people in the Twitterverse that are crushing Rousseau as an age really? rusher, crushing him, crushing him. And I'm like,
0: hold on. Like because just because he wins inside doesn't mean he doesn't win outside. He just If you're gonna let him beat up on let him beat up on guards, go. I mean, I look Duke stinks. I know, but if you watch his evolution throughout the year, we get to the edge rushers here in a minute. But if you watch Rousseau, let's get to it now because I think
3: the conversation is so fascinating. Because I'm having, I'm I'm having edge
0: rusher. I don't know where you
3: are. He's my top he's he's number one. I got two two Miami guys, one and two. I have him and I have Jalen Phillips. Um, when I look at Rousseau and I just think about the length, I think about the way that he uses his hands, I think about that stuff. And then when I go back and I look at Jason Pierre-Paul, and I think the comparison is really solid because I looked at Jason Pierre-Paul, the one season that he had at South Florida because he played at Juco out here in California.
0: I wouldn't watched him play live if I remember. Yes,
3: he had he had one season at South Florida. He had six and a half sacks, mm-hmm. all right? He has taken whatever the Giants took him in the first round. I'm looking at the length. The, the numbers are comparable in terms of their dimensions, the athleticism, I'm looking and I'm like, you know, like, man. And then I'm looking at how Jason Pierre-Paul emerged. So he had four and a half sacks that first year with the Giants. That next year, 16 and a half sacks because it came on. And so the biggest knock that we can have on Rousseau is, oh, he hasn't played enough. He didn't play this final year. Is he a one-year wonder? He was a wide receiver tied in in high school. He doesn't really know. To me, I'm saying, oh, that's a really good thing depending on what I have in, in the on the coaching staff, if I have a teacher developer, if he's already able to do this without really being taught how to play the position, if I have a guy that can really pour into him, maybe not year one, but year two, how good could he be? And so the Jason Pierre Paul thing is my blueprint for how Gregory Rousseau could evolve and emerge at the next level.
0: Yeah, I'm a fan of his, man. And and I go back to our conversation with him. Remember when he said his freshman year? Think, Keep in mind, he plays safety and wide receiver for the most part in high school. I know. He's just learning on the fly. And he says in his first scrimmage at Miami, and I have no reason to doubt him, I can get it confirmed, but you see had five sacks in their first spring game, their first spring scrimmage. You have five sacks. Then he got hurt, couldn't play that year. So he comes back, plays one year, has 15 and a half sacks. Look, closing, finishing is a, is a skill. The dude can finish.
3: He gets him to the ground, and I think it's it's really important because when we talk about some of the other pass rushes that will be elevated in the process, here's the one thing that I know about Rousseau. Rousseau has proven production. I see him take quarterbacks down. It's not, oh, I see the twitch, I see the activity, ah, but he just missed. When he gets to the pros, he'll find a way to get it down. When I watch Rousseau, he knocks quarterbacks down, and he did it in multiple games. It's not just the one four-sack game where he dominated and obliterated Florida State. He has a number of games where you see him get to the quarterback and you may not see the, what I would call the twitch, but the length is something that's problematic for blockers because when he throws his hand right in the middle of the blockers chest, and then he push pulls and grabs and uses the outside hand to get free. He does it. He does it often. And he also has a little move where he can get inside. I just think I am gambling on length and potential for a pass rush, as opposed to some of the other guys who don't necessarily have that.
0: Yeah, I would give JPP a little edge in terms of just burst. Burst, yes. Yeah. JPP had a little bit more of that. But what I was getting to earlier is if you watch Rousseau chronologically and watch him throughout the year, you see him adding things to his game to the point where you get, you know, because I didn't see speed to power off the edge in the early mm-hmm. games. I'm like, okay, he's winning a lot of arm overs, very active, very good with his hands, effort is excellent, um, but I didn't see that speed to power element. Well, you get to the end of the year, and I know Duke stinks, but still you saw him incorporate speed to power in that game towards the end of the season. Then you get to the bowl game, right? He's had a little bit more time before 2019 yes. to practice and get to work on it. And you see a little of that Euro step move that, that something yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Lawrence has, Demarcus Lawrence kind of made that thing go at the next level, which is an innate, natural kind of pass rush feel. So he does that in the bowl game. I'm like, dude, this guy just continues to learn and grow.
3: And it's just it's just starting for this kid. It's just starting. And so, like, DJ, I, I think about a situation, particularly if you're one of those teams that you're getting your edge rusher a year early, meaning yeah. you already have guys in the hopper. So you can take a chance on getting another one. So he doesn't have to come in. He can do like Jason Pierre-Paul did for the Giants, you had Justin Tuck, you had Manure. You don't need him to come in right away. He comes in on third down and learns how to get it. And then the next year he takes over. I just think his upside is tremendous. And with that frame, the length and how he already understands how to use his long arms. I just think, man, the sky's the limit in terms of what he could be at the next level.
0: Yeah, and again, check out the interview we had with him. If you go back and look to the archives of the movie sticks podcast, you'll find uh, our chat with Greg Rousseau from uh, earlier in the fall. I will just add one more nugget on uh, the mock draft. Talk about Jason Pierre-Paul. I'll, I'll just leave you a hint on where I had Rousseau going in the draft, but I think uh-huh. you can
3: yeah, yeah, I think you can put it together because they have to make a decision with Shaq Barrett. If Shaquille yeah, she Barrett, if uh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no, the, no, no. the Giants, the Giants, the Giants. Giants, oh, that's, that's where I put it. Dave Gettleman. Look, I have the sure.
0: same way I can. I can go that's into right. the grocery store with the intentions that I'm going bri- to buy a lot of fruits and vegetables, but I'm inevitably going to find myself over to the other food that I probably shouldn't be eating. Like Dave Gettleman can talk about where you got to get weapons for Daniel Jones. Where I want some receivers and some weaponry. And then he's going to be staring this big defensive lineman straight in the face at his pick. And he's going to go, I can't I can't pass that up.
3: And not only that, from a philosophical standpoint and for the Giants for years he is the classic giants pick the size, the length, all of that. Like that's, I mean, he is a New York giant all day. I mean, we've only been doing this for 20 plus years. And when we think about the guys that they've taken along the line, man, typically it is always the height, weight, speed guys, the guys who have extraordinary length at certain positions. And Greg Rousseau certainly has that.
0: All right. Uh, I want to ask you another question about another edge guy here because, uh, I just did him this last week and I'll give, I'll give my guy Nabil credit. Cause Nabil had uh, sent me a text and said, Hey, have you done Ronnie Perkins yet from Oklahoma? And I was like, you know what? I haven't, I've, I've talked to some buddies around the league and kind of said probably more of a, you know, two, more likely a third round pick, like two, three. Um, and so, you know, which, which is, which is a good player. But then I watched him and I'm like, dude, I think he's better than that. And I, I really liked him. I ended up, uh, putting a, a pretty strong grade on him which is going to put him squarely in my top 50. um now i want to see how big he is he's listed at 63 247 this is the hard part about this year um you don't have the measurables right so i don't know is he when he list the guy at 63 247 there's a big difference between being six two and a quarter and being six three and a half like that's a that's a pretty big difference for an edge rusher there's also a big difference between being 240 pounds and 255 pounds like so I don't know how big this guy is, but just off the tape, he's explosive. He's powerful. Um, I posted a, a play with him putting Tevin Jenkins on the ground with a little long arm inside move. And Tevin Jenkins is a talented player from, from Oklahoma State. Um, he's got power. He He's just got a real good feel for it off the edge. And then when I reach out to my guys in Oklahoma, or at, at Oklahoma, talk about him being a leader, an alpha, mm-hmm things that you want to hear so i really liked him i thought he was a really good player and uh and so i i give a hat tip to Nabil for doing his homework on that one
3: all right i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to check him out i was just looking at his, his numbers and stuff six three, 247 pounds five and a half sacks he didn't know um, he only played
0: half the year because he was and i got to go in and find out he was suspended for the first part of the year but this a yeah so
3: he came on he came on had a, a, a second half versus iowa state um he did some things you know it's really interesting because that 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 range where he is, that's 6'3, 245, 247 pounds. Like, You're it's gonna funny,
0: have to like right? Ojalari. Like, to me, like, you gotta to figure those two guys out.
3: Okay, so Ojalari to me Tough, is man. a, a one trick pony Tough. right now. He he has the fastball, and the fastball is, is, I mean, he is blowing it by people, but if he ever gets touched up, he doesn't have anything. His move is he's going to attack you on that outside, he's gonna dip around, he's gonna throw. His, the hand off, and then he's going to flatten the edge and get to the thing. He doesn't have a counter at all, and I like the twitch and I like the explosiveness, but I am I just was one.
0: put ankle tightness in there too.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I try not to confuse activity with achievement.
0: It's yeah, active, but those are the two types of rushers, right? There's a place for that. There's a value in activity, but productivity is is yeah, valued.
3: there's a different thing and so I see him run around I see him do those things but man it's that's all it is and I just wonder well what do I do with that how long will it take me to develop an inside move and if I'm using him am I using him as an edge rusher am I using him as a Sam linebacker that I blitz and use on passing downs to come down and do those things where is his best fit and unfortunately DJ the, the crazy thing is That would be something that you and I would be able to have a conversation with at the combine because someone would have put in the request, hey, can we have him do linebacker drills on top of the edge rusher drills? I just kind of want to know how athletic is he in space to envision where can he play on a defense or is he very, very limited to having to be a hand down edge player?
0: Yeah, I thought he had some hand skill. Like I thought he won with with, uh, with some hand skill there when you talk about, you know, a little a little slap rip. He's got, like you were saying, he'll knock the hands down. Uh, he's got a little bit of a dip. I, I just didn't see. Now there's one play I saw some people had posted on on social media where you see him kind of wrapping around a block. His hand goes to the ground and he kind of wraps around and makes a play. But to me, there's a difference between that versus being able to rush full speed keep all your cleats in the ground at the top of your rush and be able to flatten and bend. I thought there was some ankle tightness there that that uh, that bugged me a little bit. The other thing is some of the things even in the SEC that you can get away with, like he he leaves his feet like he has like a little a little uh jump rip move, like a jump slap move. And, and yeah. I'm like, you leave your feet like that, that that ain't gonna end well, man.
3: They're, especially after it's on tape. They'll see a couple of times they're like, oh okay, he likes to, this is his go to.
0: But he plays know butt off man he plays hard um he's got I thought he d- did have some some power some speed to power he plays with good leverage I thought he's very instinctive you know he can find the ball he can adjust mm-hmm. um you know the, the the Cincinnati game was just kind of his high watermark the bowl game he went off but the tackle Hudson got ejected so James Hudson who we saw at the senior bowl they're starting yeah. left out Cincinnati he bounces out of the game and then the tomato can that replaced him. I mean, Ojo just tore him a new one, which is like, good for him. You want to take take advantage of a guy that's not as good. Um, but that was kind of where some of that production came from. He's a tough one. I'll be anxious to see how you try and figure out him uh, compared with Ronnie Perkins. I like Tryon over them. Tryon, to me, 6'5", 260 pounds from Washington was an opt-out. He's got heavy hands. Um, he can win off the edge with that power. Uh, more probably, more of a power rusher than a pure speed rusher, but I just get a bigger guy.
3: Yeah, it's, so it's funny. So I had a couple guys that were, I won't say they were problem guys to me, but I'm trying to just figure them out. So Quitty Pay from Michigan yeah. is one because he's twitchy. He's active hands, like active, but he doesn't have heavy hands. So they're active and moving, but I don't see him shock people and move them back. I love the effort. I like the energy, but I felt like his sacks were garbage sacks, not impact sacks. Like he he ran around the corner, someone flushes him out, the quarterback spins around a couple of times, bang, he's Johnny on the spot to collect the sack. But I didn't feel like, hey, it's third down, we got to get off the field. Pay is whipping his man to get to the quarterback and end the down. And so I don't really know what to do with that. 11 and a half sacks in his career, active he had two versus minnesota this year but i just i didn't i like to feel that they can take it over especially the round value that we're talking about in the first round you would like to feel like that at some point this guy can take it over if he has an opportunity um i think we talked about closers closers the pass rushes that you have your team is up is two minutes left in the game he puts his hand in the dirt he closes it out we get off the field and we win the game I don't know if I felt confident enough about Quitty Pay that he is a closer.
0: Let me give you let me give you my baseball analogy here with Quitty Pay. So you know I'm a diehard Padre fan, right? So we they got this guy Will Myers who they has straight they paid him a bunch of money and he's not been good. Okay, he's played they played him at first base, they played him in, in right field, they played him in left field, they moved him all over the place, right? And in within seasons they did all this stuff and he just wouldn't wasn't wasn't good. So last year. They say, you're going to play right field. They start him at right field day one. He doesn't move any other positions. He plays in right field. What do you know? He gets comfortable. All of a sudden, the bat comes alive, and he has a really good year. You can look at guys like for the Dodgers, like Kiki Hernandez last Mm -hmm. year, second base, left field, center field, play shorts. Some guys are wired to be able to move around and do all these different things, and they're comfortable. I thought Quiddy Pay got paralyzed a little bit because they're playing him in a zero technique. They're playing him in a three technique. Then they, I mean, they moved him all over the dang place. Let the guy play over a tight end, let him play on the edge, let him beat those guys up and let him use all this twitch and explosiveness off the edge. Give him a runway. When you have that type of explosiveness to me, you space is your friend. Give him a little bit of space between him and the offense. And you're going to see, you see some of those flashes but i thought i hated the way that they used him Buck. so that well, that
3: to and me, well, and, I, and that and that's a that's that's the thing that's a consideration when you're envisioning how he's going to play for you right and so is it a team that hey we're going to take you we're going to bring you in we're going to put you at this spot and we're going to let you get great at this yeah. spot we're going to let you major in this right defensive end position or left defensive end position just so you can get comfortable and it becomes easy and second nature to you or Are we a team that likes to have all these creative packages and we're going to stand you up and move you around and loop you? And then you never necessarily develop. And I think that's an underrated point when it comes to kind of the Swiss army knife theory, because sometimes on the outside we think, man, it's great. He can do all of these different things. But without knowing the kid, you really don't know if they're comfortable doing those things. And so you kind of have to ask him, what is your best position? If you had your druthers, you were coaching the team, where would you put you at and how would you use you? Those conversations must be had in this Zoom, like this virtual world. The conversations have to be really, really important. And I think you have to have a plan. Your defensive coordinator has to be able to give me a clear plan and articulate this is how we will use him if we bring him into the building. Yeah,
0: I mean, not to belabor the point, but even when even when he's on the edge, sometimes he's on the, they put him in a four eye. I mean, like, he's not even, you don't give him any space. Like, you're, 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 as you crowded guy, in you're here. lining him up blocked. Like, <laughs> let him, let him at least start the down unblocked. And, <laughs> and then we can go from there. But no, I hated the way they used him. And he is going, you know, you can see, I can see that he plays hard, I can see the explosiveness. Buck, He is gonna test like a freak. He's gonna be two hundred seven mm-hmm. pounds. He's gonna he's gonna jump over thirty five inches. He's gonna do over thirty five reps. He's gonna run in the four fives. His three cones and all that stuff. I mean, Bruce Feldman had it in his freak thing, his freak post. He is gonna be a freak. So to me, I've got a great kid who plays hard, who's a ridiculously explosive player, who I thought was placed in the in the wrong spot. And I talk about alignment. Fuck, he's in a two point stance. He's in a three point stance. He's in a four point stance. Like, gee, many Christmas. Like, get the in and out menu, man. Put
3: the other menu away. Yeah. And just give this guy a couple things. Keep it small and tight. Um, It's funny. So, you talk about a, a freak athlete. What about Jason away from Penn State?
0: Yeah. So, he's a difficult one. And I have him um, behind, like, to me, I have Rousseau as a top guy. Yeah. I think Pay and Jalen Phillips are touching each other. They're I mean Jalen Phillips is a more skilled pass rusher. Yeah. No debate whatsoever. But I got I don't know enough about the whole what happened with him with UCLA yeah. Miami. So I I penalize cool. so him for a little bit there. So that's why I have those guys touching. So I have him I have Rousseau, Phillips, and Pay One, yeah. two, and three. And I think to me, Rousseau is cleaner for me. Mm-hmm. As, and I think the other two guys is T B D. Like that could switch. Yeah. We'll, goes then after that i have i have it right now Oway, joe Tryon. um then i have perkins and Ojolari. so that's kind of how i have it right now but man when you talk around the league you'll talk to teams jason Owe, who will be like dude this guy you know i know he didn't have the sacks but if you just watch it he has a lot of production like the indiana game he's hell on wheels in that game he doesn't have a yeah. sack you see mm-hmm. him you see the the, the skill He's a, he's gonna he is a physical freak. He's gonna test like a freak. He's a great kid. Like there's no issues with him at all. And then so some teams buying that side of it. I'll talk to other teams. He's got no instincts. You don't get instincts if you don't have instincts. No thanks. <laughs> People all over the
3: map on this dude. So um to fill out the five, where did you put Boogie Basham? Did you put him at Edge or you put him inside? Like what did oh, you do with it. him? for me so I have
0: him behind Perkins um but okay. he's, he's kind of an inside outside guy I just I'm I, jack of all trades master of none kind of yeah, I see
3: I, and saying I, I think with the, I think with these rushes it's very much like ice cream because I have bashing and Oway filling out my top five but I have all those other guys couldn't be any different players by the way you know and and so I, I have all these guys and then you talk about try on and, 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 and this crew of other guys that are all right there and a lot of it is, man, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And so yeah. the the challenge, what we're doing is we're grading for the league. If you said, a hey Buck, scout this crew for the Packers or scout this crew for the Baltimore Ravens," easier. It, it it's a different it's a different pecking order based on. Oh, okay, I know how we're gonna play. I need someone that is kind of in the mold of a Matt Judon, or I want someone that looks like Janikin Gakwe, or whatever that is. It's it's really, really different. And I think this year, because of the variances and because of the lack of what I would call like five star pass rushers, where you don't have like that clear line of like, hey, here are the dudes that we know are your top 15 players. I think you just have a clump. And on draft day, there can be some times where we're gonna be on on air and we're gonna be like, Whoa, this guy goes way before the tap you know, and, and, and we have to be ready for that because without the combine without really a hand like a bunch of pro days and private workouts it's going to be harder to kind of predict where some of these guys are going to go outside of our own personal opinion but hey this is what i think about him but here's where he may go that might be a little harder to determine because you won't have as as many like exposures to a player in person to watch them work out and do what they do
0: yeah, and I trust me, teams are all over the map on these dudes. You know, what the, the other interesting we, we, we'll talk about it in another episode, but um, the offensive line pecking order, talking to some teams, like you will get wildly different orders on these dudes, man, like wildly
3: different. It, it's 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 hard, you know, and it's funny because um, when I was going through looking at outside and inside guys, I feel bad because I wrote Ver Tucker. As an inside guy, even though I know he's going to start out outside. Well, he might. Some some teams have. I mean, it depends on what you have, right? Yeah,
0: it's it's, best five on the field with him.
3: Yeah, and so it it'll be interesting that part of it, and whatever. And I will say this: I was a Tristan Wirfs fan, Mm -hmm. but DJ, I think the way that Tristan Wirfs played, he was a right tackle the entire time at Iowa. He goes into the league and dominates right. Tackle. I think, I think we've said this forever. Like you don't really have a right and a left tackle. You need to have two really good tackles. Yep. Um. But, but, but I think you have to be able to look at these guys and say like, Hey, he's a right tackle, but he is a high end right tackle. So do I give him love for being a dominant player at right tackle, even though I may say his skills aren't conducive to being left. It is almost like the Orlando Brown thing, right? Where Orlando Brown is, is, kind of kicking up dust because he wants to play left tackle. But we're like, hey, dude, Ronnie Stanley is, he's, yeah. he's a Pro Bowl player. I know you, you got Pro Bowl accolades, but Ronnie Stanley is, he's exactly what we're looking for at that position. And you played solid there. You played really well there. You earned Pro Bowl honors. But, man, you're built to be a right tackle. It, it's such a subjective evaluation now when we're looking at those two edge blocker positions.
0: I'm trying to find I'm going to just find this real quick because while we're thinking about it, uh, I'm going to go back because Tristan Wirfs, I remember there there were some flaws. And this is a good exercise, right? Because you say, okay, there were some flaws, but these were flaws that he was more than able to overcome. Uh, So let's see. Tristan Wirfs. Okay. Uh, Worf's big, powerful offensive tackle, pass protection, launches out of his stance, hasn't had issues versus outside speed rushers. However, has experienced issues against inside counter moves. He oversets. He struggles to redirect back inside, allowing too many pressures in the games I studied. When he can land his punch, it's over. His hands are so strong, he has a power base to end the play right there. And the run game, he's very strong and aggressive, creates a ton of movement, but also will overextend and fall off at times. He's on the ground a little too much. I love his aggressive demeanor, but he needs to play more under control. I believe he can survive a tackle, but he'd benefit from playing with neighbors inside. I think Worfs has all pro potential at guard. So he was my 13th overall player uh, last year and ended up you know, exceeding that and ended up being the best rookie tackle in the NFL. So when I look at that, I can say, okay – He has the athleticism to handle the speed, so that's not an issue. He can get out there and do that. They just work with him on setting a little firmer inside and playing more inside out, right, so not allowing guys to counter him. He has enough speed to be able to recover. Even if he gets beat a little bit off the snap, he's athletic enough to be able to ride that speed around, Um, but you can't give up your – that's the rule number one for a tackle. Don't get beat inside. And mm-hmm. so that's fixable. That's a good lesson, right? That's something that he's able to fix. And then some of the over, like, I'd much rather rein in a guy who's a little over aggressive than try and dial somebody up. So his balance issues, I think, improved as well.
3: Yeah. And I, I think when you add those things, because those are like what we call technical flaws. But then when yeah. you dig in his background and you find out he was a, a champion, discus, shot putter, I'll he also.
0: Freak show too yeah he,
3: he also had wrestling in his background where he was a champion and then you saw the, the freak show test numbers there's a lot to that and let's let's put the the Iowa brand on him because yeah. you know that you're getting a guy who's been coached up he's heard high level instruction he was able to take to it and lo and behold man he steps into the the role and and, and shines right away.
0: Last thing here, I, we were going to have Travis Etienne on, um, but we had a little bit of a scheduling snafu. So we'll try and reschedule that. I know I tweeted that out that he was going to be on the show today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll be TBD. I don't want to touch on the Wentz situation. We'll touch nope. that on Thursday because it, it, it could make this whole podcast irrelevant if he ends up yes. uh, getting dealt after we post this. So we'll, we'll hit that uh, then. Um, one other topic, though, that I wanted to hit you on, uh, which was the uh, the whole thing with Mac Jones. And, and where you think he might land. So he's my 33rd player right now. Mm-hmm. I put him in this mock draft in the back end of the first round. You can you can check it out at NFL.com to find out to who. Um, but I saw some guys, I think Mike Tannenbaum and some guys on ESPN were talking about him to the Panthers at eight. And I thought, man, that is – I did not see that like a top ten player. I thought he had a chance, um, you know, as a – I saw – um, more kind of as a second round, but those second round guys can get into late one, right? And they're play on better teams, better supporting casts, He'd have a chance, but kind of away from where the NFL is going, you know, with him. So that seemed crazy rich to me. So I reached out. I'm like, you know what? I want to canvas the league a little bit on this. So I talked to a bunch of people, majority of which said, I think he's got a chance to start. I, I can't imagine he, him going that high. I would say, you know, bottom one or two, but, the end of the day, you're a first round pick. You're a first round pick. So mm-hmm. nobody, nobody doesn't like him. I, I, I don't. I, I like him. I don't. I just don't put him up there in that top ten range. But then I talked to one guy. He brought up an interesting point. He said, "When was the last time you saw an owner at the Senior Bowl?" And I, I thought, mm, I don't remember ever seeing an owner at the Senior Bowl. He's like, David Tepper for the Carolina Panthers goes down there to spend time at the Senior Bowl. Why? You, you think Mac Jones might have been part of that they're a team that's in the market for a quarterback they need a quarterback and now all of a sudden your owner goes down there to spend time down there he's like I don't know that just seemed weird to me like I, I he was kind of reading into that a little bit and said there, there's I think there's a little bit of smoke there
3: that was interesting well I think it's interesting I think if you listen to two people Matt Rule and David Tepper they've talked about the quarterback position and they've, they've kind of aired their displeasure on about Teddy Bridgewater they believe that you have to have a quarterback that can close games out. I want to say maybe they lost eight one-score games, and they felt like if they had a better quarterback, they would have been able to win maybe 50% of those, right? Mm-hmm. And that, pushed, that changes their record dramatically, puts them on the cusp of being a playoff team. The thing is, when I look at Mac Jones, I don't know, when has he, when he had to really close out a game? And so stylistically, he's not really – the, the the player of choice when we look at these quarterbacks. I mean, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, um, Calum Murray, Deshaun. Watson, I mean, on and answer, on and on. Answer
0: this because you. I've gotten this and I have my thoughts, but I want to get yours because the thought is, well, you know, he was one year of insane production, national championship. And then Joe Burrow was one year of insane production and a national championship. Both played with really talented rosters. One was the first overall pick. Why can't Mac Jones go up there in the
3: top 10? Well, I think I think Joe Burrow was different because I think his athleticism. Thank
0: you. That's the difference.
3: His athleticism showed up. And so Joe Burrow could run. Joe Burrow was the master of the RPO game. Joe Burrow had some other Off stuff. Schedule. Off-schedule throws. Um He also had a lot of endorses behind him in terms of like the people from Ohio State and LSU talking about the leadership ability and those things. And I will give Mac Jones credit for hanging in there. The people
0: at Alabama rave about his work ethic, leadership, all those things. I I give
3: him him credit for weathering the storm and doing all those things. And I think he has a level of toughness that you like. Uh, I do believe he has an opportunity to be a first round pick. But as we've seen it, D.J., Look around around the playoffs, and I know everyone is going to talk about Tom Brady, but I'm going to say Tom Brady's the outlier because of 20 years of experience. Yes. But you saw how the pass rush impacted the postseason, and you saw how Pat Mahomes was on the run the entire game in the Super Bowl. And we saw how, I mean, even Lamar Jackson and these other guys are on the move. Josh Allen having to make plays outside the pocket. You can play with a guy that doesn't have that ability, but man, he better be exceptional in every other area. And I just can't say that Mac Jones is exceptional enough in other areas to wipe away what he doesn't have from the movement skill standpoint.
0: I would also add, even if you look at the older guys that have that are the pure pocket guys, um Tom Brady's 6'5", Philip Phillip Rivers six five, Matt Ryan, six five. Like these guys have other exceptional traits. And Mac Jones is 6'2". He's he's 6'2". He's not a great athlete. People say, oh, well, what about Drew Brees? Drew Brees on a, was a phenomenal athlete.
3: Phenomenal athlete.
0: And Drew Brees, first of all, it took – I don't know if Drew Brees would even happen now because the leash is so tight on these quarterbacks. You're not given the same runway to develop as you used to be. They need you to kind of get up and running. And so what we've always said about that is, yeah, you can win with a pocket passer provided he has – you know, 10 years of experience and wisdom to be able to dissect the defense. You can't, you don't just jump on an NFL field and have that, like it's well, different.
3: My, my challenge to everyone would be name the young one that plays like Mac Jones. Yeah. Who's the young quarterback that plays like him that is lighting it up? All the quarterbacks that we've seen over the last four or five years that have been able to come in and have immediate success, they have a level of athleticism that enables them to not only play on script, but off script. It is a requirement now. I mean, that's, that's just what it is. The game has made it where you can't block the superheroes on the edges on defense. And if you have a quarterback that is always sitting there from the same spot on the grassy knoll, he is absolutely going to get obliterated. And when we think about the creativity of what a mobile quarterback brings, not a guy that can run it. We just talked about, can you just pull it and get four yards on the zone read three or four times a game? That's, that is the, that's what we're talking about. The floor. Can you pull it and get me four or five yards every now and then? It's harder when you don't have those guys because they not only impact your ability to call plays in the passing game, but in the running game, the threat of the quarterback changes the equation so much that it makes hard. I'm not saying that Mac Jones doesn't have a path to success in the league. I'm just saying it's a lot slimmer, a lot narrower than what some of the other guys were having in the league.
0: Yeah, Mark put in the chat here, what about Derek Carr? Derek Carr, much stronger Mark, arm. Derek Carr is a much better athlete. Like, Derek Carr can move.
3: Yeah, he can move. He can move. He can move around when he was at Fresno State. He wasn't just a, a statue. Some of that may have changed a little bit when he broke his leg, but. He's got more twitch, uh, yeah, much more twitch. Yeah, yeah, and and so that's that's different. And so, I, I mean, I see where he can go in the first round. Um, I think in my mock, I had him to the Washington football team at 19 um, in terms of being a, a high IQ player, someone who has all the intangibles and leadership ability or whatever. But he's got to go someplace where
0: they've got all the stuff there. And I I, I don't want to sell him. I'm not bashing him. I, I think he's he's got a chance, provided you want him to go to the teams in the back of the draft with the built roster that you can drop him in and he can just be a distributor. Um, so to me, going to a team that's got a lot of roster flaws and asking him to survive and hold up, and man, I, I don't like that fit.
3: No, I don't like the fit, but I also know like we've been around the senior bowl enough to know that guys fall in love with the guys that they coach, yeah. And um, Mac Jones being around it, being in the room, uh, Matt Rule having an opportunity to be around him for a week. Um, uh, sometimes you can envision a guy, well, you know, maybe he can lead it, but I don't know, man. He's a drastic departure from the quarterbacks that they have in the room. Not only Teddy Bridgewater, but PJ Walker and some of that other stuff. I I just wonder. I wonder with Joe Brady and that offense, Matt Rule, and how he envisions this offense playing out. I wonder if he sees Mac Jones as his style of quarterback for the long term.
0: There's two questions I was thinking of, right? When you're going to pick a quarterback, like two, two kind of important questions you could ask. Number one, do I want to coach this guy? That's one question, right? I think he checks that box. Mm -hmm. The second question you better ask is, the defenses want to play against this guy. Yeah. That's a different way of looking at it.
3: And and, and look at the defenses in the division and how they get down. We saw what Tampa was able to do. We saw how fast that defense is. Even with the older guys up front, as a fast defense, you better have something for it. And then look at the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints with Dennis Allen, they're going to bring pressure. They're going to bring it like nobody's business. And if your quarterback can't move or get off the spot, man, he is just sitting there being target practice.
0: Yeah. La- last thing, we mentioned it at the top. I don't think we need to spend much time on it, but just Trevor Lawrence check the box. I mean, we we covered it uh, from home, but we covered it live. And uh, I look, the ball, even on TV, I know you you don't get a full appreciation for it when you're when you're not there live. But we both saw him throw live in high school. You could see the ball jump out of his hand. There's no issues there.
3: No, no issues there. I think the biggest thing that came out of it was the fact that he was 213 pounds. We've talked about how that could have been a byproduct of Trevor Lawrence, depending on when he suffered the injury, may not have been able to lift. And so you see the atrophy in his body and those things. But in terms of just how natural and easy it is for him to spin it, I think that's terrific. I think the things that came out later about his interactions with people, when you talk to people that were there, just talked about how he just gets it, man, how he fist bumped every NFL executive that was in attendance and how he carries himself within the building at Clemson and how he has been very comfortable being the face of the franchise. There's something to that, his maturity and all of the intangible qualities to go with this stuff. You can't say guys are, or, can't miss, but if I'm going down, I'm definitely going down with someone who is as invested as Trevor Lawrence. I, I think that is, that is a big, big deal.
0: Can I just put one other one other nugget out there? We've talked about this between ourselves, but um, go to all the dang pro days if you're a team. Like I think there, I think was there one team that didn't go. I think there might have just been there might have been 31 teams that went. I don't know who the team was that didn't go, but to me, and I saw somebody. Why would this team send three people? They picked 28. They're not going to get a chance to get Trevor Lawrence. The scouts were not on campus this year. They weren't allowed. They were allowed to go to some games and then do some Zoom calls but you are not allowed to get on the campus. If you're a team, and and if if the limits are what they are, right, three people you can bring to a pro day, if some schools might be one, Mm -hmm. send somebody just to get on the dang campus. There's other players at Clemson besides Trevor Lawrence. If I get a chance to get on campus and I can talk to a position coach, a coordinator, the head coach, a trainer, a strength coach, face-to-face where I can get real information, not the information he gave all 32 teams on a generic Zoom call, like, I don't – you're, you're idiotic if you don't go to these pro days. You're idiotic. Get your scouts on the campus. They weren't on campus all year long.
3: You know, I, th- I think you have to get on campus. I think it goes be even beyond that, DJ, because what do we always do when we sit across from prospects? We not only ask them about themselves, but we ask them about their teammates yeah. and guys within their league. So because I haven't had a chance to get on campus in my area, I want to hear the players tell me, Who's the best guy that you faced this year in the ACC? Mm-hmm. Who are some of the other guys or whatever? I want to talk to the coaches. Hey, coach, who are some of the guys that you saw around the league that we should probably pay attention to? Who was someone that kept you up at night when it came to game planning? Whether it's a guy that's eligible this year or maybe they're coming down the pipe, I want to continue to get that information because who knows how long we're going to have these restrictions as it relates to the COVID protocols and those things and the amount of people that can get on campus i need to continue to build the portfolio to make sure that i have all the background in for not not only for this class but maybe for next year's class because last year at this time dj we thought everything would be back to normal in the scouting process and it hasn't been and so i think you just want to give yourself an opportunity to be prepared
0: no no doubt um uh, anyways that interesting i just think it's crazy if you don't send guys out the pro days get them on the campus and then do your the more information you get, the better. I remember a couple of years ago, I want to say it was uh, gosh, I don't remember which draft it was, but I remember Cleveland did not send uh, scouts or any personnel to like some of the quarterback pro days. And they said, well, we're going to put him through our own private workout. And I'm like, and I'm sitting here going, what the heck else better do you have to do than to send and go out there, at least watch him again, get another chance to be around the guy, watch him in his environment, watch how he interacts with his teammates. Like, what are you doing that's more valuable than that is my question.
3: Yeah, I mean, nothing. Get on campus. <laughs> it's you still offended, man. Nothing. Get, get on campus. Get all that information out. You have a limited window when you have the opportunity to get in front of people face-to-face. I think you have to capitalize on it whenever you get a chance. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, nah, man. It was a great show. I love having those discussions.
0: Yeah, fun time here. And, uh, again, be on the lookout. We've got a mock draft up. Uh, that's out there. Bucky's got his top five list, which is coming this week. NFL.com slash Bucky Brooks should be able to find that. Um, and uh, that's going to do it for us. I appreciate you guys hanging with us. I would encourage you, if you haven't already, leave us a, a little rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate those. If you have any questions in there, feel free to drop them on there. We'll see what we can do. Um, appreciate it. We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks.